everybody. This is Hater Radio. My name is Chris McLean. This is a college football podcast that we do every week. Uh, my co-host, like usual, is Ian Gibson. Ian, good evening, good sir. Evening. And uh, so what we do here on this podcast is we talk about college football. And specifically what we do each week, we do a rundown of the games that happened uh, the week previous we talk about the Heisman candidates. We talk about the playoff teams. And we also do a, uh, a preview of the week ahead of the big games coming up. So with that in mind, and also with all of that, we talk about the national storylines that come up with all these big teams as well. We mainly cover uh, the Southeast, uh, SEC, ACC, um, mainly Florida schools, and then a lot of the national storylines as well with the bigger schools. So, um, so with that in mind, let's start the show. So, uh, the well, let me do the socials real quick before we go on. So, uh, you can reach us at haterradio.com for all the articles that we post. You can reach us at hater underscore radio on uh, Twitter and Insta, haterradio1 at gmail.com for email. And Ian, what are your socials again? Yes, um, my socials, uh, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, G Gator G, capital G, underscore Gator, underscore capital G. Awesome. Okay, that's where you can reach us if you have any comments, want to talk to us, whatever. Um, you know, it looks like there are a few people listening every week, so which is good. So I'm feeling confident that we can get more and more as we keep going. And, you know, this is just the beginning this year. We put some more money into this, so we're actually out on Spotify and all the um, the typical ones that you can find us on Apple podcast, Google podcast, whatnot. Um, then we spent some money on t-shirts and, uh, stickers and whatnot and all this stuff that we did a live broadcast. We might do a live broadcast next week, Ian. I, I have, I forgot to tell you, I'm coming to Florida. I'll be in St. Pete next week. So we might do a live one. I don't know. It just depends. Um, yeah, let, let me know with the scheduling. Yeah, that. I've got a, I, I'm there a all week. Mine. I'm there all week. So whenever you can fit it in would actually be perfect. So we'll yeah, yeah. talk about that later, but uh, regardless uh, let's start the show. So uh, week 10 recap. So the first game I have listed is the Missouri Georgia game, which Georgia wins 43 to six. And, you know, the game was never really close. I mean, Missouri led, which I think is the first time that, Georgia's been uh, behind all year, I think. I'm almost positive that's what it was. But uh, we had both of it as a blowout, and we were all very – both of us were very close to the score. So, um, you know, we knew what was going to go into this game. It wasn't going to be much of a challenge for Georgia, and they they destroyed them. So I'm not going to really talk much about that one because that's – That was a typical Georgia-style game. Yeah, there's nothing really there to really note. Uh, Next one, LSU-Alabama. This is actually a later game, later at night on Saturday. And Alabama squeaked by. It was only 20-14, to a lot closer than both of us thought. We thought that Alabama was going to blow them out, but uh, LSU actually had a lead and then, like, stayed close the entire way through. I mean, like, six points is not very much considering – you know, well, I mean, LSU doesn't have that much firepower, not like in years past, but because most of, most of them are injured. But it was mostly the um, 
It, it, I think it was more of like it was as even of a game you could possibly get, and the score reflected that. They were just kind of willing to like both teams were trying to prevent the big play from happening. And I mean, when that happens, you can only like nickel and dime it. So it was like kind of a slow crawl kind of game. But we've seen this a million times with LSU and Alabama. There was the game that went like nine to six. Yeah. Uh, or the, you know, the national championship game as well. Yeah. They're just willing to. 2012. Yeah. Or 11. Uh, 2011. Yeah. 2011. So yeah, that was years totally ago. willing to just go into full mud trench warfare and just really slow down and to limit the big plays. That's what it looked like. It was like, they were just keeping both secondaries were keeping everything in front of them. They weren't letting anybody sneak behind with, well, uh, with the exception of the touchdown pass from Bama that made it 21 to seven or yeah. 20 to seven. We missed the extra point. Yeah. The uh, Bryce young had a, another huge game and dude, that guy, Jamison Williams is fucking, that kid is good, man. Like, Oh yeah. Like he's fast and he's just putting up, bigger numbers like all the time actually much bigger than john mechie who most people thought mechie was going to be the guy that was going to be you know the the lead this year but it's been jameson like if they didn't have him they would probably have lost another game i would think because he's been like the real difference maker for them on um uh the receiving core but dude brian robinson jr uh Whoa, dude, 18 yards on 13 carries. That's rough. 1.4 average. That is not good. But, hey, you're not going to have great games all the time. But, uh, no, um, it's amazing that LSU came to play in this game because, you know, they could have – they could have got blown out. They could have just given up and, you know, gave it, you know, just rolled over for Alabama. But they didn't, and they stayed in it. And, I don't know, it's so weird. I'm – this whole LSU thing, I mean, two years ago, they literally were breaking records and was dominating college football. Yeah. And now they're like nothing. They're like no it's one. Like what like, I said, though, it's it's what I said about Eldron and a lot of coaches. I think coaches can only do there's sometimes where coaches are just buoyed by great talent. I think Eldron was an example of that because I still say you could have had, I don't know, any any coach. All right, that, that, that's maybe pushing it too far. But you could have had, like, any mediocre coach. You could have, like, um, Willie Taggart, probably. And at <laughs> least with that team, at most of the losing one game. That team was so good. Yeah, but, uh, okay, the the yes, I agree with the talent because most everyone on that team got drafted. But the caveat there is – Joe Brady. I mean, that guy was the difference maker up until that point, the last, like, okay, before 2019, like the 10 years previous to that, the problem with LSU was they had no passing game like at all, even maybe the year that they had OBJ and uh, Jarvis Landry with, um, I can't remember the quarterback's name. It was uh, like a, a guy that wasn't very athletic, but he could throw the ball. He didn't really have a good NFL career, but I, I don't know his name, but it doesn't matter. But like, wasn't Jamarcus was old- Russell. <laughs> what? Wasn't Jamarcus Russell. No, 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 no. It was like in 2013. <laughs> I, can't I, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, uh, it, I can't remember his name, but he, they passed it well there. It wasn't great, but it was well. But that was like the only year in that 10 year span. And it was just like nothing like they're they relied heavily on the run game and they usually did pretty well because 
they were very good run heavy and then the would use play action and you know limited i mean the quarterbacks were throwing for no more than like 200 yards a game at most and then even the year before um burrow went off they were still not that great of a throwing team towards the end of the year they started doing a little bit better but then it was like joe brady comes in and shows them all those uh NFL route concepts that they were doing and like changing how the wide receivers. And honestly, because of the fact that those three receivers um, stayed healthy the entire year, led them to be able to do those kind of concepts. And like, you know, the, the, like they would drag their feet and wait for what the DB would do to be able to then run the route. And they had like three different choices of what they could do. And so they were doing that the entire, uh, like offense through that whole year. And it's like, you know, LSU really was different because of that, uh, NFL concepts brought into the college game. And I know the talent was there, obviously, yes, they're all very good. And I won't deny that at all, but I think really, you know, and you saw it once, Joe Brady was gone last year and he has, he, you know, he's obviously gone this year too. And it's like, they're not the same. They've tried to do some of it similar last year, but it was kind of mixed results. Um, but just dude, I, it's such a fall from grace. It's almost as bad as that uh, Auburn team Gene from Chizik. 2010. Yeah. yeah Gene Chizik. Somebody, you know. somebody posted a picture. They said uh, it was a Vogeron and it was him smiling. And they said, smile if you're the, uh, next to Gene Chizik, because that's exactly what happened. And I say the same thing about Gene Chizik. Gene Chizik was not a good coach at all, yeah. but he had no, Cam Newton, and Cam Newton's probably like the second best quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Uh, yeah. And that that was my thing because I remember when they even as a kid. Okay, I was very young, so I didn't I, I don't know as much, but I remember them hiring Gene Chizik, and I knew enough about college football to go like, who the f- is Gene Chizik, <laughs> and you're really gonna trust him to beat. Uh, you're going to trust him to beat Alabama consistently. And I was partly right. And then I remember then they got Cam Newton. I was like, okay, maybe there's a chance. Cause obviously as a Gator fan, I knew how good Cam Newton was. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's wild. What the, the fall from grace, some of these coaches have, uh, and it happens relatively quickly too. So let's move on. Uh, Ohio state, Nebraska, relatively good game. It was pretty much close throughout the whole way. Nebraska had some big plays to be able to keep in it. And uh, just, I don't know. They just, I, I had picked it as an upset just cause I thought that Nebraska was going to get over this hump of these close games, but they just, uh, they didn't have what it took in the game and lose 26, 17. Um, CJ Stroud looked decent. Um, and uh, Travion Henderson had a decent game as well. Uh, you know, <laughs> the Martinez brothers, I think they're brothers, right? Both because the Adrian Martinez is now, and then there was another one beforehand. I think so. I don't I'm know. I'm almost though. positive because I, I was looking it up the other day because I was like curious as well. So those guys, the one was there for like five years. This Martinez has been for four, and they all both were freshman starters. And so they started their whole careers. And then this Martinez because of COVID has another year. He wants to come back. So that would be 10 years of Martinez quarterbacks. I don't know. I I've never been impressed with this kid. Like he's athletic, but just, he makes too many mistakes. You know, he doesn't have the best passing skills. 
Um, Frost got uh, retained for next year. So, you know, obviously they want to give as long a leash as possible. And I actually agree with that because I feel that it's just very difficult, man. Nebraska is not a location that anyone wants to go to. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen like when they were, they talk about how they recruit to Nebraska, they have to like, take like the craziest route on like what flights they take and stuff like that, just to get to the city of um, God, I can't remember the name of the city where the, the school is, but uh, they, they have to do such a crazy route to get there. And that's like, makes it so much more difficult. Then it's like, why would these kids ever want to freaking come there? Like to a school, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's cold as shit. There's nothing to do. Like, I don't know. I mean, it, well, it was like I said, what Nebraska did in the nineties, they just require, they just recruited the, you know, big boys, uh, the Midwest boys up front. And then they would go out uh, to get the, uh, you know, the skill players. Cause that's one of the, that is a, I'm telling you, that is a huge recruiting chip to have is when you go to like a quarterback or a running back and just be like, Hey, you don't have to worry about anybody getting in the backfield. Cause we got these monsters to move and give you as much space as possible. And ever since they kind of went away from that, it's been kind of downhill and now they're getting poached from the other schools. So I think that's been the biggest thing is that they're, they haven't been as good as recruiting like homegrown talent, um, especially in the positions they need. They need to know where they're at. Um, and I don't mean like location wise, I mean like as a program um, in order to get better. I will say this about Nebraska. Call me, you can call me crazy if you want. I actually see progress with this team. Like considering like I th so I thought Ohio State at a certain point was going to run away with this, but almost every Nebraska game, for the most part, when they have played um, good teams, it, it's really weird when they have played good teams, uh, they play them close like they played. I think they're only touchdown away um, against Oklahoma. They only lost by, I think, a field goal to uh, Michigan State. Um and then they lost to Purdue, which was close. And that one, obviously, with what Purdue did and has been doing. Uh, they only lost by three to Michigan. And they only lose by a few points to this one. I, I can I, I get this is on a curve, considering. But you got to remember, Nebraska was getting blown out in these games. But now they're starting to kind of crawl and creep their way in. And I think it reminds me kind of of what, like, North Carolina was before last season. They were in these games and close. They just didn't have the talent to finish it. I think that's what shows in these games, especially against Ohio State. It's not that Nebraska wasn't playing hard. I think they were playing harder. Just Ohio State had the better players. They uh, they lost to Michigan by three. They lost to Minnesota by seven. They lost to Purdue by five. They lost to Michigan State by three, and they lost to Oklahoma by seven. Between One possession games. I mean, that's five games – not including the Ohio State game, which was nine. That's five games by one possession. And then another one against Illinois, which was a one-possession game. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six one-possession games. And, you know, Florida's been bit by that, too. I mean, look at the, yep. you know, besides the Georgia and um, – uh, game we shall not South name. Carolina. Yeah, we'll talk about it in a little <laughs> bit. But the, the Georgia and South Carolina game, Florida lost uh, against – uh, Kentucky, LSU, and Alabama all by one scores. And then last year against Alabama, L uh, LSU, and Texas A&M all by one score. So it, it's tough. Like when you get in those one score games, 
you know, it's almost like a coin flip at some point because, you know, you're, you are competing or uh, keeping pace with the, the the team. And, you know, it's, it's, it's almost sometimes in these games, it's who has the ball last. And, you know, it, I don't know. Um, It's frustrating probably as a Nebraska fan to see, you know, your homegrown, you know, used to play at the school favorite son come back and struggle as mightily as he did considering how good he did at UCF. And uh, you know, he was the hot guy that year and he chose Nebraska. He could have gone anywhere and he chose Nebraska over every other job. And you know, it, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he's going to turn it around. I mean, the, like the, I'm, I'm definitely not like saying I'm on the hype train, but I'm definitely am pulling out of the fire Jeff Scott train. I don't think it's like Scott as situ- Scott or Scott. What did I say? Jeff Scott. Jeff Scott. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh God. Uh, Scott Frost. Why, there's it's too many right. Scots in college football. Yeah. <laughs> it's Scott right. Frost. Scott Frost. There you go. Him. He. I, I'm. I'm pulling out of that. You know, train. I don't think. You know. Because again, he's there is improvement again that you could say that, you know, the comparison isn't good compared to getting blown out to being losing to one possession. And I'm not a fan of morale of victories, but you can tell these like games they're fighting and competing. They just don't have the talent there yet. Okay. Well, I will say that, you know, like they. God, what what did Bo Pelini deserve to get fired? Because I'm looking at his record at at Nebraska, and he was always nine and four or ten and four. Like what what made them think to get rid of him? I he, I've told you the, the irony of them firing those coaches was because I remember I <laughs> I I've probably told the story on here before. It was in the 2000s. I think I I forget. It was the guy after Tom Osborne, and he was like, obviously, when Tom Osborne was at Nebraska. Yes. When Tom Osborne was at Nebraska, they were winning national championships left and right. Yeah. um, And like winning the big, uh, big eight uh, almost every year. Um, But afterwards, like they lost to Miami in 2001 after uh, Osborne retired. They lost to Miami in the national championship, which I don't think any team could have beaten them. Would have been a tough fight. then they, you know, then they went to like maybe two loss, three losses, and then they fired him because he quoted I, the AD. I forget who he was. He quoted on saying, "We don't want Nebraska to settle into mediocrity." So they fired him, and you know they've you know been trying to you know patch it up and return to the nineties ever since. I mean, <laughs> say what you want about Bo Pelini. He obviously his defenses have. You know, now today's college defenses have passed him by, but at the time he was 10 and four, nine and four. Something must have happened. I don't remember specifically, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll look at it. I just think he lost too many like big games and all that, but I mean, it's possible. I mean, he looked like he. I don't have a lot as of much of a pulse on the Nebraska program yeah. as I do the other ones. I just yeah. remember him getting canned. Or, regardless let's move on we spent a lot of time on this one let's move on to <laughs> tulsa cincinnati i saw the highlights on this one dude much closer than i would have imagined uh cincinnati wins 28 to 20 um did you see the last play of the game 
Yeah, it was like um he uh like tried to like reach out and yeah. score it, but he, he 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 lost control and fumbled it. Like barely. Like literally yeah. at the very last, last second possible before second before he goes in. Yeah. You know that saying that, you know, you know that saying God protects drunks little children in the United States. I think we need to add Cincinnati <laughs> to that list. Cause yeah, I saw real. that. And I was like, how the, like, that's crazy. I, I the, didn't believe it at first. I was like, what? That's, that's how the game ended. It was that close. Jesus. God, man, they got, that was the luckiest win. Cause Tulsa was with them like the entire game. They and, were uh, now, and, and since he's defense and I'm not, you know, Tulsa has been, you know, isn't really been as big of a slouch. I mean, I'm not saying they're good, yeah. Uh, but they've been hanging. I remember they beat Memphis, um, and they, and they were they're hanging in there with Oklahoma State. I think Cincinnati still should have you know ran them out the door, but you know it wasn't like uh, as much of a you know shock. Cincinnati. The problem with Cincinnati is they have to stop like. They, they realize that, you know, the playoff committee isn't going to, you know, th- this is what the playoff committee needs. Yeah. It's like, cause the kid I've, I've said it before. I, I don't know if we'll go into, cause I, I have another tangent about the playoff committee after this week's rankings, but it's like, they know they hate group of five schools. So you're not, you not playing well against an inferior team is like, they're smiling ear to ear for this. Oh yeah. And you know what? I, I, I am not going to like judge what is going on with these playoff rankings right now, because, um, you know, it's, it's still, there's still four weeks left of gameplay to determine who actually goes. So as much as we will debate, whatever, what they've actually done, there's still plenty of time for what actually occurs to occur and then we will know who these good teams are and who will actually deserve to be there. You know, Cincinnati, um, they play uh, USF this week and they play, um, let me see, Cincinnati plays SMU the week after that and then a conference championship game against likely SMU. Um, or Houston, depending. So, you know, right there, that's two huge games. So regardless of what they do against bad teams, which, you know, Oklahoma has struggled against bad teams as well. Oklahoma struggled against Tulane, just like Cincinnati kind of struggled as well. Um, So, you know, it will prove itself out. You know, Oklahoma has to play Oklahoma State, who has the best defense in the big 12 and like top 10 in the country. So they're going to get tested. Uh, You know, it's all this stuff comes out in the wash. It's like, you know, as much as we want to be like, Oh, this is terrible that whatever they're not getting the respect. But I honestly think the way that it's set up, they went up a spot this week in the rankings. I don't know if you noticed that since yeah, they went from six to five. Yeah, so, I, I like how they went up by one and still left out in the top four. It's they're not gonna. It's. I think that's close enough for them. I think if they can get right there, all it takes is one of those four to lose, and you know that is gonna happen. You know, I know it's gonna happen now because Alabama and Georgia. Happen. My problem Alabama is and though, Georgia play each other, so that right there that guarantees one loss right there. I, I right? still. 
The problem is, is like, I want to believe that. I just don't trust the committee because they've done nothing but like spit in the face of group of five teams. And I totally think since he should be in the top four, but when you put Alabama at two and you, then you put Michigan at what six after, uh, because Michigan state lost, even though Michigan state beat Michigan. Um, Yeah. What, I know. And, it makes you, no sense. It, yeah, it's I I don't I like I said, it you know, I I would totally want to believe the problem is I don't trust the process because I think it's you know a a joke that you let these teams I think I still think the biggest joke is that Alabama is at number two. Alabama again, Alabama has shown not every week, but more than often that this is not the same powerhouse punch your punch you in the face Alabama tie team this is a completely this is not I don't think Alabama is the number two best team in the country yeah and I I don't know what the committee sees in that anyway that's my white tangent <laughs> there you go all right let's move on uh Wake Forest North Carolina very exciting game called it North Carolina wins 58 to 55 just a very back and forth you know it was like Wake Forest had a fourth quarter lead and North Carolina comes up and then like Wake Forest scores late. So it's only a three point game. And it was just like craziness. I mean, Sam Howe still has a lot of talent, even though he doesn't have the supporting cast that he's had. Um, I expect Sam Howe to be drafted pretty high, which, you know, will happen. And uh, Wake Forest's magical run is over, but uh, they still have a lot to play for. Still have a, uh, a, a division title to hopefully win. So we'll see. They play NC State this weekend. We'll see what happens there. That could uh, that'll decide it. Yeah. And anything else for you, Ian, on that one? Or what was the score I, I had in this one? Uh, thirty-four to twenty-seven. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't too alright on that one. Uh, yeah, I didn't kind of expect it to be a barn. I didn't expect this to go absolutely nuts. Uh, but I was at least happy in the fact that I did call uh, North Carolina because I just thought North Carolina is. Because I don't think Wake Forest, out of the teams they played, played an offense like that. But it was surprising. It didn't actually go the way I thought it would. I thought you know somehow it was going to be be able to possibly torch the secondary, but it was actually the rushing attack by yeah. North Carolina to kind of grab and pound and just kind of wear out Wake Forest and both tides, uh, you know, went back and forth. This was one of those, again, this is an example of one of those games. It's a shame. One of these teams have to lose. Yeah. Um, but North sure. Carolina, you know, got the win. Um, you know, Sam Howell played, I he didn't have a good game, but he played subpar, but you know, Wake Forest did what he did. Hartman on the other hand had the game. I thought Sam Howell was going to have, he threw for almost, I think it was almost 400 yards and he had five touchdowns. Yeah. But two um, picks though. Yeah, two picks, and you know that's you know critical. Sam, Sam Howe still had over three hundred yards total, so that's yeah. Not, and it's three not, you know, it wasn't a, a dig, it's not a I typical think- day for him, but it's definitely uh you know because they obviously were rushing the ball well, but they only had three people running the ball, which is kind of wild that that's only that because they ran for over three hundred like thirty yards, unlike amazing that they only got it between three players. Usually like with that much rushing, you like spell a bunch of guys, but the one guy, uh, Ty Chandler had 22 carries and then Sam Howell had 21, which 21 for a quarterback is unreal. That is like danger zone time when you're like asking your starting quarterback to get hit that many times. But uh, let's move on. Uh, Oklahoma state, West Virginia, dude. I mean, Oklahoma state has to be, 
just like Michigan State before them, the most underrated non-talked-about team in the country. Like, literally, they win this game 24-3 against West Virginia, and nobody is talking about them. No one's talking about how good of a defense that they are. They're doing this in a conference that scores nothing but points. That's all the Big 12 is for the last 15 years is scoring touchdowns, and no one scores touchdowns on them. No. it's, it's remarkable. You know what it's like it's like a, it, I, I said I remember I kind of thought about this when I was watching because I've seen the highlights of the game. I said this to my cousin. I said, "Dude, Oklahoma State is a Big Ten team in the Big Twelve. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, like it hit exactly. Me. Yeah, it's like it's just kind of a defense, and the offense is kind of you know it's not an explosive offense that you're it's used not. to. Yeah, it's not. It's very like methodical and like they take advantage of their possessions, but. They're just their defense does not allow anything. I mean, it's I I I'm surprised. I'm glad because you know um, the Big Twelve has had such a like hard time, uh, you know, standing out as a in any kind of defensive category. But this team is definitely up there in, like I said, top ten in the country in defensive rankings. Um, they are fully capable of probably playing anybody because of that. I think if they can win out, look out for them in the playoff because they, that would mean if they yeah. went out, if they went out, they'd have to beat Oklahoma twice. And if they beat Oklahoma twice, then you, I, that would be, that would be an interesting you'd sell. To, you'd have to put them in. Wouldn't you? I, I would have to see how everything else goes, but. I don't know because with Oklahoma, I mean, yeah, the off, I mean, this is like peak Oklahoma now in this season compared to like the beginning. Uh, Cause my problem is with Oklahoma is like, yes, that is a big win, but is that a big enough one? Well, now if you beat them twice, I think that's, you could, yeah. That is their, their, their other two games are TCU and Texas tech. So that's not going to help, but two games against a top five team, like that. that, Yeah. Do you get your two wins? Yeah. I could see them putting them in because like, I honestly, man, like I'm looking at their totals all year. No one has scored more than like 23 points against them. Literally every game. I'm no joke, man. That is some solid defense. And it's not like where, you know, like Georgia's going up against offenses that are not very good. They're going up against offenses that are good, that are scoring like 50 points a game against other teams. And it's just like, I don't know, man. I It's like I said with Michigan State, look out for them. And it's possible because if they went out as well, because they've got these games coming up as well. They got Ohio State. They got whatever Penn State. So they'll have the opportunity to be able to uh, um, step up or not. So Michigan State, Oklahoma State, very interesting teams. I like Michigan State better because they have the ability to score. But Oklahoma State, with that good of a defense, they could compete against anybody. And that's might be the difference maker there, especially if they played against a team like Georgia, which, you know, if you are decent on defense, I'm talking like to the point where you're preventing teams from scoring more than 20 points and you're able to score anywhere from 25 to 30, you could have a chance against uh, Georgia. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, Baylor TCU, another big 12 game. 
uh, back and forth, but TCU pulls out uh, 30 to 28. Surprising me. I, I don't think, yeah, we both had Baylor winning this kind of goodbye Baylor. You know, they had, they had one loss at that point and the only loss they had was against Oklahoma state. So this kind of puts them out of the, uh, yeah, put them out of the conversation for the big 12, uh, championship. So I don't know. Just kind of sad. I wish it, I wish they could have won this game because not a game they should have lost. Okay. Uh, Auburn, Texas A&M, very boring game. I was kind of like <laughs> not really enjoying this one. Uh, A&M put up points later in the second half, but it was like, I think it was like three, three or six to three at one it, point. It got, yeah. Like, it was like three. It was, it was boring. Like, Six three going into the fourth before we got a touchdown. It reminded me of the one I think I forget what year this was. Everybody makes fun of it. I think like Auburn. Ironically, it was Auburn too. They won a game like three to two. Yeah, I think it was against Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Remember. And I was like, yeah. and I saw this, and I was like, oh dear God, don't let this be one of those games. <laughs> yeah, because I was watching it, and I was like, oh my God, just do something. Yeah, for because real. it was. I mean, I'm all for good defense. Um, which this totally was. Yeah, um, it was I, a defensive but, struggle. Yeah, and I think what a and I don't know if this strategy is the smartest strategy, but it did kind of look like A&M was willing to, you know, just wear Auburn down um, until breaking through. Now, Auburn had, you know, a lot of mistakes and miscues uh, to really jump ahead in this game. Uh, and that's what A&M took advantage of. Um but towards the end of the fourth quarter, it's like I said, this happens with a lot of teams. It's not a bad game plan. It's just got to make sure you're ahead is when you wear teams down, you know, you're kind of done. Cause that's what they were doing was, you know, kind of ground and pounding, uh, riding on Isaiah Spiller. Yeah. Um, and he's a good back to be writing. Cause you know, the guy is a beast and, um, I feel he's probably going to be a top, probably top 50 pick. Probably in the second round, he'll go to someone that needs someone, some type of running back, really. And I can see him being in like, you know, uh, early second round pick. Um, but uh, no, he had another huge game, 112 yards. Um, A-Chain, is that how you say it, right? A-Chain? Uh, Ach- yeah, I think so. It was, yeah. Yes. Yeah. He had close to 98 yards. And Calzada just didn't make mistakes. He didn't have uh, he didn't have an interception, so that helps you right there. Uh, time of possession, pretty even. You know, uh, they had two. What is it? Auburn had two turnovers to yes. Texas A&M's one, so close there. Um, penalties, pretty even. Yeah, overall, it was a really except for. The uh, AM outgained him like almost two to one, 409 to 226. So, difference there. Definitely run, running the ball was a, a huge uh, um, plus for AM there. So, let's move on. Liberty, Ole Miss. What an interesting game. I mean, I don't know who, like, I don't know who booked this game, but I'm glad they did because, you know, we've obviously been interested in Liberty last year and this year a little bit. So, um, you know, Ole Miss jumped out to a big lead and then like Liberty kept coming back and it wasn't like they got over the edge, but they, you know, respectable, which, you know, was cool to see. Uh, Ole Miss was 27-14. Ole Miss kind of had their cushion and then they kind of, you know, pedaled the gas a bit. Yeah. Um, No, but, you know, once again, Matt Corral is 
you know, rolling at this point, 324 again, you know, only one touchdown, which would have been nice to get like two or three there, but whatever. But uh, still rolling in the uh, uh, Heisman uh, candidacy. So let's move on. Mississippi State, Arkansas. This was a good game. This was a back and forth, like, you know, who has the ball last will win type game. Well, the the kicker, (laughs) the kicker. Did can I tell a story? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry about this. I actually, so I was watching this game at work. This was right before I left work. We had this game on. I actually screamed aloud when I saw the kick go wide. I actually screamed, (laughs) oh no! Like, a lot, and I was like, I didn't have a dog in any fight, but I at least yeah, wanted yeah. to see overtime. Right. But I just saw him such a terrible shank, <laughs> and I just screamed, "Oh no!" Like aloud in work, and then everybody was looking at me like, "What the hell is wrong with this kid?" Uh, you know, it is. You know, Arkansas has been this team that has just been solid all year, but Mississippi State was solid as well coming into this game. So both teams. They are Jekyll and Hyde this year. I swear. I don't Mississippi know. Mississippi State. I think what it's proving, though, it's that he can definitely compete in the SEC. He may not beat like the top end teams like Georgia and Alabama, but he will be able to compete with everyone else. And if that's the case, he'll have a long coaching career at Mississippi State because they're not going to fire him. They don't care. Like they they just want to be like. They want to get to nine wins. That's all they care about. And they get to nine wins. They're sold. You know, that's that's good enough for them. So uh, moving on, another interesting game. Uh, I called the upset here. Uh, Tennessee wins 45-42. A lot closer and a high-scoring game. I didn't think Kentucky added in them to score that many points to keep up. But Tennessee just, man, those guys can score. And they've been scoring against everyone. And the only game that they really didn't score on people was the Florida game. And it's, like, amazing because Florida's defense sucks so bad. And we'll talk about that more lately. But everyone else, they've been scoring at will on people. They just – they they hit a lot of big plays. They got a lot of those screens that go for 60 yards. They get Mm -hmm. just – a lot of open receivers like uh Heupel is scheming them up very good. And uh, you know, it's crazy that this team is well, not basically, because there was a lot of transfers last year and a lot of new people came in, but um it is essentially the same team as last year, and their offense is way better. I mean, to the point where it's it's like night and day from last year. I mean, the last couple of years with Pruitt was terrible. I mean, he was just a, I never saw anything in that guy that was like redeeming. I was like, I don't know what people see in this guy. I was glad because I don't want Tennessee to be good, but it was just like, I don't know what was going on that they were like, oh yeah, this guy's great. But Hypel, I mean, Tennessee fans have are like feeling it now. And they're really like, you know, we'll talk about their game coming up, but you know, it's a huge upset. Cause like Kentucky, you know, for this year had been started off so well. And now they have three losses. They lost to Georgia, they lost to Tennessee and they lost to um, Mississippi state. So, you know, I don't know. I kind of thought that was going to happen in Kentucky. Cause when I were, I remember people talking about it and like what games they had left. And I was like, Oh, they still got a couple of losses coming up. They're not going to just skate through all this really easily. But uh, anyways, anything for you that stands out in this? This game, you know, this weirdly, this game reminded me of 
it reminded me of the Florida Alabama SEC championship game last year where all it took was like one mistake and that was it. And that happened at when uh, it was the pick six um, from Will Levis. Cause at that point it would have been like a one possession game uh, going back and forth. But um, Levis threw the interception. Um, and I think it was uh, Taylor returned it. I remember saying to myself like that might be it because Tennessee is scoring almost every drive. And that's, if it's two possessions, that might be all Tennessee needs. And that's exactly what happened. And that was like how it was of uh, Florida last year. I think the turning point was when they had the interception, it was fumbled and Alabama recovered. And then they scored the touchdown at that point. It was like, okay, you had your, that was the mistake. And now they can't catch up. And that was it. That being said though, Kentucky totally should have won this game. Uh, the, I, I think they almost had 200 more yards and the, I saw the time of possession after this one. And I was I couldn't believe Kentucky lost because I think they had the ball for like 45 minutes. And I was like, that can't be right. Like, there's no way. But yeah, Tennessee only had the ball for like 15 minutes the whole game. And that was enough because they were able to get the big plays. What happened? I don't know what happened. To Kentucky's defense. I thought it was minutes. Very- 13, 13 minutes. minutes. <laughs> That's insane. Like, I've never seen. And they won. <laughs> it was through those big, quick pass play because that's what it was like. And I understand Tennessee's offense is built on the hurry up. It's built, you know, we kind of just speed up and get the, you know, defense on its heels. And I, it works to perfection. Uh, I just didn't expect like Kentucky. Kentucky was playing it smart. They knew Tennessee's biggest strength was offensively. So they were trying to play keep away. But unfortunately, kind of bit him in the end because Tennessee, like, it only took him what for 13 minutes to win that game. It 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 blew my mind. I've never seen this. I've never seen a score followed by time of possession like that. Yeah, in it's, a long time. I I, I I'm not sure if I've ever seen that before in my life. Yeah, it's definitely bizarre. Okay, moving on. NC State FSU. Uh, I'm not going to talk about this one too much. I just like mentioning that Florida State lost again, so they lost 28 to 14. Uh, NC State continues a solid year. Uh, moving quickly, Boise State, Fresno State, um, not really much to talk about, but it was a blowout, but it was blowout Boise State 40 to 14. Kind of surprising. Oh, yeah. Uh, both of us had Fresno winning and the other way. Uh, Texas, Iowa State, I mean, you got the score right of 30 points, but it was 30 to seven. I'm surprised Texas couldn't score there. Uh, we'll save that next one for later for after these three uh, Clemson, Louisville, Clemson looked like they were going to get beat. And then, uh, you know, ended up coming back and winning 30 to 24. It was like a replay. Remember when it was Lamar Jackson was at Louisville and they played Clemson and then it was, it was just a mental miscue. The guy. I, I remember, I remember where I was. I was at this bar in St. Pete and I was watching it and I'm like the only one watching it. Cause everyone else didn't really care. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And yeah. Like, and that's what it was. And yeah. Louisville could have easily punched it in, but they just like the, uh, it was Cunningham. He just, did not make the good reads and good cuts in, and he had to swallow the ball a lot, and he couldn't punch it in. Yeah. Okay. Houston USF. Uh, Houston wins sixty to forty-two. I didn't realize that was the final score until I checked it, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I didn't realize they scored that many points. But USF, USF had, was fighting. USF yeah, was not letting them they, go easy. They had two uh, kickoff returns for <sighs> touchdown by the same guy. I can't remember his name, but it was a great. Uh, com- 
competitive edge there. Just the fact that they were competing with uh, Houston in this game was very inspiring, very positive towards the future. It's especially because, yeah, because Houston is a very good team, and you know USF was right there with them almost the entire way. Did through, Houston so. score sixty points? I thought I thought they scored fifty. I, dude, I was in the 50 range. I looked it up. Let me look it up again because I looked it up earlier and I, was, I thought it was yeah, wrong. See, I know they scoured, scored I a lot. I watched the highlights and I was like, I thought it was a different score. Yeah. The NCAA has it as 60 to 42. They, they're they off for some reason. Huh. Because it's, yeah, it's 54. Okay. Some reason it was, that's what I saw on the NCAA website. Okay. Yeah. 54 to 42. So it was off by six points. Okay. Last one, USC, Arizona state. Uh, I only saw the USC highlights. So I didn't really see how Arizona state did, but Arizona state wins 31, 16. Again, USC fans. Can I give a quick shout out? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Can I, uh, what was it? Uh, who was, um, well, it was, um, Oh, who's the other? Um, was did Arizona win their first game this year? Uh, I don't know. Let me see real quick. Because I, yes, uh, they did. <laughs> I wanted to give a quick shout out to Arizona for finally winning a game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, one game, and they beat Cal, which Cal is going through that COVID. Yeah, I think it was like ten three. Yeah, ten to three. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. Lastly, we're not going to talk about the game, but we're going to talk about the uh, ramifications from this game. So Florida loses to South Carolina, um, 40 to 17 and just blown out in every which way. Um, I think that first half South Carolina didn't punt the ball and they scored on every single possession, which was demoralizing to see. And, uh, you know, regardless, the offense struggled. Emory Jones is not a really good quarterback. If Anthony Richardson didn't play, maybe they would have had a chance, but changes may not have been made if he plays and they win that game. So it may not be the worst thing in the world that they lost that game. I hate saying that I don't want Florida to lose games, but I'm looking at it as a positive spin on this. Because on Sunday, uh, Dan Mullen let go both Todd Grantham, defensive coordinator, and John Hevesy, the offensive line coach. So going forward, there might be a lot of change on the staff, but at least now those two are gone. And with that brings uh, Christian Robinson being promoted to defensive coordinator. He's only 32, 31, 32, something like that, and never been a coordinator. Um, Very good recruiter. Uh, You know, he played under Todd Grantham and learned from him. I've been seeing some good things on Twitter from players saying they really like playing for C-Rob and that hopefully this will be the difference. The press conference on Monday for Dan Mullen was a little, con- it was not the same that it's been all year. He actually was more relaxed, uh, was, you know, checking his ego at the door, which he said, and saying how he needs to be accountable, um, knew that he needed to do something because it was, you know, obviously it was a terrible game. Probably one of the most terrible losses that Florida's had in the last, I don't know, last 20, 30 years. It, you know, it, well, was, hey. it was tough. But no, no I want to hear what you, your thoughts on this, Ian. Um, you know, we've been, this is... I've been done. I've been done with this. To me, it's too little, too late. I, I, 
I'm I don't now I don't think they are, but I wouldn't if Mullen is gone, I'm not gonna be upset any I wouldn't be upset because that's the, the point you made. It was it, it kind of it, like it hit me because I heard that too. It rattled in my brain like you know this. I think the announcer said that like this is one of the toughest losses Florida has faced in a long time. And then I thought, shit, it's not even the toughest loss. We it's the toughest loss. Yeah, probably this season. We got out. You know, we lost and out coached to Georgia badly. Then you get humiliated by a team running the same play with half its team against LSU. And then you trip over yourself against Kentucky. And then the year before that, you lose to LSU in a game you should have won, but Kyle Pitts was not starting. Trask was not at his A level and all that. And it, you know, I, I don't know what to think anymore. It's like my, my, my expectation. I said this to my cousin and it's sad when I say this, the only way Florida will surprise me going forward is if they blow teams out. Now that's the only thing that's going to surprise me. If they play teams close that because Florida is better than South Carolina, Sanford, Missouri, Florida state, they are unequivocally better. They are better than LSU, uh, Kentucky, by an edge. I'll give Kentucky that. They are better than a lot of these teams. What Florida did last Saturday was absolutely unacceptable and frankly humiliating because to see a team that we were better than just run the score up on you, it's it was like an eat. Yeah, it was kind of like a program check. I'm like the. I, I'm like at a loss for words with it because I don't know what to expect anymore. I, because I'm done expecting good things. And when you're, I'm done expecting good things. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a change of scenery might be needed because it's just been a downward slide since the end of last season. I'll give Mullen the excuse of the Oklahoma game. Cause yes, that was without like most of the team. You can hate his comment all you want. I'll give him the excuse, but everything afterwards his be- the best win he has is ironically pro- the best game he has is Alabama. And that was a loss uh, this season. It's, I don't know. I think firing Grantham was a good thing, but I like, I, I, I messaged you and I said this before it's way, way too late. He should and at, at that. It make cost him because I remember we, we said at the beginning of the season that, you know, that's interesting keeping Grantham because the defense was horrendous last season. It's that was the defense lost us uh, at least to Texas A&M. And I could even argue Alabama, the offense was there. The defense let us down and to bring back the guy, you know, who the defense has not been the same. I don't know what he saw in him. And, and that, and that's where I have to question the head coach here. I can't question the defensive coordinator more, more anymore. I said that all this season, I can't question Grantham anymore because he should have been out the door last season or maybe two seasons ago. I got to question Mullen. What, what did you see in Grantham to bring him back for another season and think it was going to be better? It's the definition of insanity. And I'm at the point where maybe it is the definition of insanity for me that 
I'm going to expect this program to change. I, I remember I said I had my epiphany moment against Georgia. That was my true epiphany moment with the program. I could I technically could have had it against LSU, but Georgia was the one for me. I saw that game and I saw how Georgia played and how good those players were. And I like Georgia has been beating us in every facet, coaching, play, play calling, just players, recruiting, everything. And it hit me. That's never going to be us. It's probably never going to be us with Mullen because Mullen, the recruiting isn't there. The play calling when it's in the mud just sputters. And he's having trouble making the necessary, like the very tough decisions, even as obvious as they may be. And when that happens, you kind of have to throw your hands up and press the reset button. That's my opinion on the whole whole situation with Florida. Now, given credit, I'm not the Gator fan that's saying let's lose every game and get Mullen fired. I that is stupid. I want us to win every game possible, regardless of who the head coach is. Oh, bring Will Muschamp back. I want him to win every game. I don't care who the head coach is. Just win games. But to me, for that, I don't see it happening anymore. I, especially after looking at next season. This season was supposed to be the cakewalk, even though we were playing Alabama. Next season, like our, we open against Utah, and Utah is not a slouch. And if you can't beat teams like South Carolina, what makes you think I can? You can beat Utah, and that. So that's my yeah, okay. But of Ian, it. I'm gonna I'm gonna counter here with a couple of things. All right. the The main reason that okay. Hevesy and Grantham were both there because Hevesy obviously struggled recruiting wise, couldn't get any kind of decent talent. And he's done well as far as coaching players up, getting kids that were like three stars and turning them into decent players. But he's gotten very little uh, offensive linemen drafted in the NFL, which is a terrible mark considering he's been in college football, major programs for 30, uh, 20 years. Um, but they have worked together. They've been on the same staff for 20 years, Ian, literally since 2001. That's a long time. That's a very um, long-standing friendship that they have, that they've been that close to each other for that long. So it's very tough to just get rid of someone, you know, and he obviously wanted to keep on him as long as he could. And he, there was nothing he could do. This was the final straw. The thing with Grantham as well, he was another friend. They had worked together for several years, you know, at Mississippi State and Florida. And I don't know. I think Dan was just kind of blinded by what uh, Grantham was doing. He, for the most part, steers clear of what the defense does. He is an offensive-minded head coach. And I would rather have an offensive-minded head coach than a defensive-minded head coach because offensive-minded head coach is going to score us points. And that's all I really care about in today's uh, college football. You still need a decent defense and not a terrible defense. The problem was Grantham was bringing out these terrible defenses, and that was what resulted in last year them not beating LSU, which they should have. More than likely, they should have beaten Texas A&M. And if they have a better defense, maybe they beat Alabama as well. So right there, it would have been in the playoff if that's the case. And he really ruined that last year because you had generational talent in Kyle Trask, Kyle Pitts, and Kadarius Toney last year. And it was really tough to see that offense be as good as it was last year and not get any kind of, you know, 
modicum of decency just has to be, you know, just, I don't know. They could have just been way better and they were terrible last year. And it was even worse this year. I think, you know, they had like decent games against bad teams, but like really they, they allowed LSU to score 49, which is ridiculous. They allowed South Carolina to score 40. I mean, I just, it was terrible, you know, just every which way. And he had to go now going on to what will happen with Mullen. All right. So there's some similarities between that 2013 and 2014 year. So like uh Muschamp had like a four and eight year and then he got another year and he went like seven and six as much as this season is not over. It's not over. So there's still like three games left. They'll more than likely beat Samford. Um, they should beat Missouri and they should beat Florida state. So all through it, they should be seven and five. And then if they get a bowl game, probably be a lesser opponent. They should win that eight and five, but that is if Anthony Richardson is playing quarterback. And that's the other thing as well. Next year, Anthony Richardson will have a year of uh, this year playing and then having uh, spring and summer practices to be the, the starting quarterback. And, I am excited about the offense next year because of that ability and who they get for offensive line coach as well. So I don't know. I know that a lot of times coaches that get an extra year usually don't uh, maximize it or turn it around. There's also the case of Brian Kelly, who went to the – BCS championship game. And then like a couple years later went like four and eight. So he got extra time at Notre Dame and obviously has been there and done quite well, considering they, they, they don't beat the elite teams, but they beat a lot of the good teams. So he's been there for a long time. And I don't know. I don't know what the, the story is going to write on Dan Mullen. I want to see what, where this goes. I don't really want them to fire him because I don't want to see them go for another coaching search. I don't want to go looking for someone that's not there right now. There really is not. There's no one out there that is, you know, is capable of winning championships, I don't think. I don't see an Urban Meyer out there. I don't see a Nick Saban. I just see you know, coaches that are okay. And I don't want an okay coach. I want a great coach. And, but at the same time, I realized that Dan Mullen is putting up offensive points and he just, maybe this is it. I'm, I don't know. I'm just, maybe this is what he needs. He needs to realize that he needs to make changes and, you know, his two oldest friends, he kept on forever and didn't realize that they were dead weight for so long. And maybe this is what he needed. And it's, it's tough to have gone through so many losses to finally see the light, but maybe he sees it. All right, let's move on. I, I, I just want to say yeah, yeah, one yeah. more thing. Sorry, what, so, last, circle back. last point. And I'm not saying you're wrong on any of those, but I will say college football, especially coaching is no place for friendships. Uh, I, I agree. No, I agree. There, you can be a friend and all that, but Mullen has to realize there's a difference between, you know, Hiring a guy for because it's a business, it is a business decision and a you know personal decision. There, that's what I was with Grantham and uh, uh oh god, uh, his name escapes me. Evan, thank you, Evesy. 
yes, they have been together for a long time, but he should have been in just said, look, this is nothing personal. I have to let you go for the betterment of the team that you have to, you have to make that decision. That's what I was saying that college football has absolutely no place for that. And that was the thing that makes me worried about Mullen is he, if he's carrying on those guys for so long, as obvious as it was, especially for Grantham to let go. That's what I'm saying. It's a bit more shaky for me because he hasn't been able to commit to the tough decisions. Cause I think he's letting his personal emotions kind of block the what's best for the business. All right. And I, I totally understand that. So let's, let's move on. Cause we spent a yes. lot of time on this. Uh, we, we spoke about some of the players uh, in the Heisman watch I've got, I mean, Matt Corral, Bryce Young are basically one A, one B. I mean, this, this is just what it is. You really, they're very similar in what they do. Um, and then the the one that's coming up now is Kenneth Walker the third, and he's been solid. So it is those three, and I really don't like others have done well. Like I know you're gonna say Kenny Pickett, but I really see those three, and that's really it. And maybe Kenny Pickett will be he'll be invited to New York, which would be kind of cool considering he came back for his sixth year. So who do you got in your your list, Ian? Same Kenny Pickett, Kenneth Walker, Bryce Young, Matt Corral. Yeah, that's it. There really is no one else. There's just those the, the who, those is even doubt. Yeah, they're they're the standard bears right now. They're the ones that are just um, pacing the crowd. There's really like because most of the running backs don't have crazy stats like uh, Kenneth Walker and you know Matt Corral and Bryce Young. Just they both put up like three hundred plus a game, and you know when you're doing that, you're gonna stand out. Especially you know Bryce Young only the Alabama has one loss, and Ole Miss only has two losses. So there's they're the better teams and Kenneth Walker's on a very good team that only has one loss as well. Okay. Speaking of good teams, the playoff team. So we're going to do what the actual playoff teams are right now is Georgia, Oregon, Ohio state. And then shit. What was the other one? Is Alabama? It was Georgia. Georgia one, Alabama two, Two, Oregon and Ohio Ohio state four. I forgot to put them in there in that list. So those are what the actual teams are that we released uh, last night. What I have, Georgia number one, I have Cincinnati number two, and lo and behold, Oklahoma at number three, and I've had Oregon up there almost all year, and I'm going to continue again, Oregon number four. My last two out are Ohio State, Michigan State. Ian, who you got? Um, Mine's a bit more teeter-totter. Now, I have Georgia number one, Oklahoma at number two, Alabama at three, yeah, Cincinnati at four. Yeah, Ohio State at uh, Oregon at five. Sorry, and Ohio State at six. And I like that list. That your list makes more sense than their list. Their no list shit. makes no sense because <laughs> I actually why, watch the games. Why? Yeah, we really do. We actually you watch more games than I do, and I watch every single highlight package, ten minute package of every game that we talk about, and it's like. I don't understand it. Are these fucking people not doing their jobs and not actually watching the football games? Because they I've, I've made aren't. a very conscious point when we do these shows to not show bias and kind of have the straight level head. But I have yeah. no I like I, I'm making it clear. I hate the playoff and I hate everybody who's on it. <laughs> so I have no problem spitting venom in the eyes of those people. For sure. Yeah. And it's just it's wild. I mean, um, 
I don't know how Oklahoma is as low as they are. It makes no fucking sense. They're undefeated. Um, you know, they beat Texas, so it's not that great of a win, but they've got Oklahoma State coming up. Uh, and they might have Oklahoma State twice. So that might be where it stands out if they really get it to, if they get it going. Okay. Where's their quality win? Where's Bama's quality win? Dipshit. That's true. Yeah. Where is Bama's quality win? I guess you could say uh uh I don't even know who who is Florida? Bama's. Yeah, but they have five losses, Tennessee, so it's not really. I, I mean, Tennessee they, has I mean, four yeah, losses. Ole Miss, Ole Miss is their best win. Ole Miss is their best win, and they, yeah, because they lost to Texas A and M. That would have been their other good win, but um, uh, no. Uh, so let's move on. We're gonna do the Week Eleven uh, look ahead. Um, first game we've got is North Carolina Pittsburgh it's tomorrow on Thursday which would be today if you're listening to it uh or to listen to this podcast Ian I'm going to go with let me say Pittsburgh wins 34 and I'm going to say 30 what do you got uh I've made a point I've been waiting for this game all year I you know, Kenny Pickett and Sam have been looking forward to this. So yeah. I'm very excited. Um, but uh, this one I think is going to be a good one. Uh, I think um, it might be another high scoring affair, but I think Pitt and just how more consistent the offense has been is going to win this one. I have it in a high scoring affair. I'm going to go with the Pitt Panthers 41 to 36. Yeah, that sounds about right. I think it's going to be somewhere in those lines, somewhere around that kind of score. Um, I think Pitt's going to win, though. I just have a good feeling. I like Pickett. You know, he's crafty. And I do like Sam Howe. I know he's going to get drafted high, but um, we'll see. Okay. USF going up against number two Cincinnati or number two in some of the rankings or whatever. I don't know what the – what do we consider? I guess the playoff ring. They're, they're number five in the playoff. So five. We'll call them number five. So number five, Cincinnati going up against US, USF. What do you got in this one, Ian? I'm, I'm kind of torn, in, at least as a fan, uh, because I am a USF fan. I've, you know, they are my home away from home team. But I also hate the playoff committee. So hmm. I would actually really like Cincinnati to run away with a win. But as a you know, pure you know, just looking at it, sad. I think Cincinnati will win this one. I think USF will play it a bit tight in the beginning, but Cincinnati will just pull away at the end. I'm gonna go with a 38 to 13 win for the Bearcats. I got a little bit closer. I like USF's ability to score. Uh, Timmy McLean is a very solid quarterback, doing a lot of. Very good things for a freshman quarterback. You know, he's not can really a mobile quarterback, but he's using his legs more often because the offensive line is not great for USF. But um, he's got a decent arm. He makes good plays. Um, still getting out the kinks of like, you know, interceptions here and there and turnovers that are costly. But again, I like to see where this team goes. I'm very happy with the momentum they're getting. Like they're being competitive every week. And that is huge because last year they were not competitive in a lot of the games that they were playing. They're right there with a lot of these teams. And I'm going to go with Cincinnati 35, 22. Okay. Ian, 
I'm going to call it right now. My upset special. I'm just going to do it because, like, fuck it. Might as well. I'm saying that Tennessee beats Georgia, and Oof. I'm going to go with 42. Yes. I'm saying Tennessee scores 42 because they're doing it on, like, everyone. And I know people are going to be like, oh, Georgia's defense is so great. But – Again, I have said this all year. I've said this all year, and I'm going to repeat it. Georgia has not played a single good defense all year, or good offense all year, and this is it. This is the chance. If Georgia, so after really, this game, you can you you will yes, officially I will say agree. I will agree. You're, that you're done finally, saying it. Yes, I will finally stop saying. But, but. They will also probably play a decent offense in Alabama as well. So they'll get two opportunities to truly show themselves, which, hey, it only took 10 games to finally show if their defense is really up to the standard of what everyone's trying to say they are, this historical defense, when just the fact that they haven't played anyone good off uh, that's good offensively. So I'm going to say Tennessee 42, and I'm going to say Georgia 28. Oh man! Uh, now looking back on it at the beginning of the year, we should have started a drinking game every time you said Georgia needs to play a good offense. Because <laughs> it's been almost every week I've heard that. Um, I'm sorry, but one, that's just what it is. I, I know, I know. I'm not look, saying you're, look at the, you're wrong. Look at the rankings. You can look at the offensive rankings of all these teams, and they're terrible. And even like the t- the one team that they've played that's been somewhat better was the Auburn team that's been decent this year, but even that's a team with Bo Nix who makes a lot of mistakes and is very inconsistent in the passing game. So how good really is Auburn's offense? You know, I don't know. Just if they had played a team like Ole Miss, I could say Ole Miss or Alabama, but they didn't play either of those two teams this year and they got away with it. So they, and this year has been a, pretty much a down year for Florida. So they didn't really get challenged that much. They will so, in this game though. Yeah. My, my pick on this one, I, I, I don't see it. I, I still see now. I think Tennessee is actually going to hang with them, but I think Georgia, again, Oh my God, that defense is crazy. It, it's like, because they can force turnovers. And that's what I think it's going to come down to is that I think Georgia will be able to force turnovers against Tennessee and Tennessee has been a bit turnover prone with Hendon Hooker. Um, not, not that Hendon Hooker has been like throwing picks left and right or even fumbling a lot, but I think George's ability to force those plays is going to be the difference. And I have the Bulldogs winning this one, pulling away late. I have them winning 30 to 20. Okay. Um, we don't have to go over this one too much, but Oregon going up against Washington State, just because they're number three now, I figure we should start talking about because there's the last three games going on and there's chance of upsets mm-hmm. here. Uh, I'm going to say Oregon wins. Um, I'm going to say 41 to, I'll say 20. What do you got, Ian? Um. Pretty freaking close, forty to twenty-four. <laughs> there you go uh, for the Ducks. Yeah. Okay. Next one: Ohio State, Purdue, the upset-minded Purdue. We didn't even talk about Purdue beating Michigan Killers. State. I should have put it on there, but um, dude, they've just been kind of lurking in the background. They beat uh, Iowa. They beat Michigan State. Now they've got 
Ohio State. And, and don't forget, Purdue upset Ohio State when they were number two in two. What was it 2019? Uh, yes, and they blew seven, them out too. Yeah, yeah, they blew them out then too. Uh, Ian, what do you got in this one? Um, as much as this season has proved to be 2007 2.0, um, and I would it would be amazing to see Purdue uh, maintain the you know Kingslayer status. I don't see it. I just don't think Ohio State has too much firepower I'm, I'm actually going to have ohio state winning this one relatively big i'm going to go with a 35 to 14 win for the buckeyes yeah i i like ohio state in this one i mean you know it was close last week against nebraska but i think they're they're still doing well offensively and i'm going to go 38 24 all right next one penn state michigan you know I was talking about Penn State going to lose a bunch of games, and now Michigan might lose this one because I just don't – I don't think highly of Michigan. I'm not really um, – give that much respect to what they're doing. I'm going to say Michigan loses this one. I'm going to say it's going to be close, though. I'm going to say 27 to 33. What do you got, Ian? Damn, that, yeah, this was my upset pick of the week. Uh, oh, yeah. Red alert, I red have, alert. <laughs> I, I have Penn State winning this one. Um, as good as the defense has been for Michigan, and especially how good the rushing attack has been on the offense, I uh, I think the game that kind of solidified it was when Penn State played Auburn, and that was kind of a run-heavy game, and Penn State was able to pull out in that one. I think Penn State is going to win this one and pull away a uh, very, clo- very, very close game, but I have Penn State winning this one 27 to 24 for the Nittany Lions. Noish. Okay. Uh, Oklahoma going up against those Baylor Bears. Now, this game would have been much bigger if Baylor had beaten TCU last week. Now they have two losses, so they don't really have as much to play for. They still have an outside chance at the Big 12 championship. Ian, who do you have in this game? Uh, I've got the Sooners winning this one in a shootout. Um, again, I don't think it's going to be a total blowout, but I just see Oklahoma just getting more possessions and more scoring. I don't see the Baylor defense putting up enough stops. So I'm going to have the Sooners winning this one. I'll go with a 45 to 24 win for the Sooners. I got a close game. I think it's going to be close. I like Baylor, but I like Oklahoma more. And I like Caleb Williams. Um, I like Oklahoma's offense, probably the most out of, the four units here um, between the offense and defense between both teams. And I think Oklahoma is going to win, but it's going to be close 35 to 30. Okay. Notre Dame, Virginia, your, your boys. uh, I can't remember. What's what's the redheads name? The quarterback. (laughs) Dude, I know you love this guy. So do you think that they can pull the upset here? Yeah. You know what? Yeah, because <laughs> Notre Dame's defense hasn't been good enough to say yes, they can prevent you know high uh, winning a high scoring affair. I think Virginia is going to pull it out. I, I I I guess this counts as an upset pick of the week too. Um, I'm, I'm not realizing I'm, I might have a couple of these. Um, I see Virginia just kind of like, you know, just aerating them because I don't see the defense and stuff. And I also don't see the Notre Dame offense responding as much as a Virginia offense would. So I have Virginia winning this one. Uh, um, 
with a 36 to 27 win for the Cavaliers. I have Notre Dame winning, but I have it close. And I'm going to say it's 31-27. I like Virginia's offense because Armstrong can sling it, but I think Notre Dame has got enough to beat them. It's on the road in Virginia, so it could be, you know, a lot of noise, a lot of, you know, um, chaos for Notre Dame because of that. But I like... I like Notre Dame in this one. Okay. TCU, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State trying to get to that Big 12 championship game. Do they beat TCU, Ian? I think Oklahoma State does beat TCU. I think Oklahoma State, again, based on their defense and how um, uh, clutch the offense can be, I think they win this one. Not a high-scoring game, but I see um, – I guess it would be for Oklahoma State standards. Uh, I have the Cowboys winning this one 30-7. Uh, to seven. Yeah, I um, I have a low-scoring game for uh, TCU as well, just because that's what is going on with Oklahoma State. Like we talked about, this is a very uh, strong defense, and they're going to, um, you know, put the the offenses in check. And I have uh, Oklahoma State winning 27-10. They do enough on offense to be able to win these games. So literally all they have to do is hold teams – to under 20 and they're more than likely going to win the game. And that's just, it's a remarkable, okay. Big game sec matchup. Uh, it's the second place in the sec West matchup, Texas A&M going up against Ole Miss. Both teams have two losses. Um, I'm going to give my score first. I've been a huge fan of Matt Corral all year. Even before that, I've been a huge Matt Corral fan, uh, you know, actually since he committed to Florida way back in the day. Um, but, uh, you know, he's done quite well. Still has a chance as a Heisman. This would be a huge game for him, like in this Heisman race, if he can do a uh, have a really good game against Texas A&M because A&M has a good defense. And um, I like Ole Miss in this game. I'm going to say Ole Miss wins – I'm going to say 38 and uh, 38 to 20. That's what I'm going to go with. What do you got, Ian? This game, I think a is going to attack the Ole Miss offense, like how they t- attacked Alabama. They just try to get as many hands in the face of Matt Corral as possible, as they did with Bryce Young. But I think – I don't know what it is, but I think there's something about the way that the the Ole Miss offense works, especially as a kind of a hurry-up offense, that's different from how they played Alabama. So with that, I think Ole Miss keeps the defense on its heels, and I don't think AM has the offensive firepower to respond. I have Ole Miss winning this one 31-25. to 25. Okay, next one. This is an interesting game. This is likely the winner of the Coastal Division, right? Is it Coastal um, or could, Atlantic? I, I, I think it's Atlantic. It's the Atlantic. Can, yeah. Yeah, it's the Atlantic Division. Um, NC State going up against Wake Forest. Uh, Ian, what are your thoughts on this game? Um, This one, I... I guess this counts. Yeah, I, I I see NC State actually winning this one. 
I, I think the Wolfpack, just based on how consistent they are on offense and also based on how the defense of Wake Forest has been giving up a lot, has been just giving up chunks after chunks of yards, which is what NC State feeds off of. I think NC State's going to win this one. I think this is going to be relatively close and maybe not overly high scoring, but I have the Wolfpack winning this one 27 to 17. And... <clears throat> I'm perplexed on this game because it's, uh, you know, NC State is a solid team. Wake Forest has been able to put up huge amount of points against pretty much anyone. You know, they had like 70 plus points against Army, which was crazy. Not that Army is that great of a team, but just am- amazing how much points they put up against a, a decent uh, group of five team. But I still like NC State's defense. But I'm going to give my nod to Wake Forest. I'm going to say Wake Forest wins 31-28. Okay, Auburn going up against Mississippi State. Who you got, Ian? Uh, this one, I you know, I'm going to take Mississippi State in this one. Only for the fact that there's so Jekyll and Hyde. I think last week we saw Jekyll. This one we're going to see Hyde. Um, Oh, wait. Wait. Okay, let me do the one I know. Okay, this for Two Face. This time we're going to see Harvey Dent. Last week we saw <laughs> Two Face. This yeah. one we're going to see Harvey Dent. That's the one reference I get. This one I think Mississippi State responds, and I think the offense is good enough to uh, throw over the top of the secondary, the Auburn defense. Um, and again, this is a matter of these games coming down to is there, you know, does the other side have enough to respond uh, to the other side's offense? I just don't see Auburn doing that. Um, now, I do say Auburn, you know, is willing to keep this one. I think it is a bit of a shootout, but I'm going to have the Bulldogs winning this one 34 to 30 and another upset pick. 34 to 30. You said Mississippi State wins it, right? Yes, the Bulldogs. Okay. I like Auburn in this one, and I'm going to say Auburn wins 28-24. I think the difference here is that it's – it's uh, in Auburn, and I think that's probably what's going to give me my reasoning for, I don't know. Mississippi State just seems to, like, they, they do okay, but then it's just like they just struggle for some reason. And I, I Auburn is not a terrible team this year. They're not, like, they're not going to win 12 games, but they're definitely going to win probably nine games, which is – Pretty good for considering this is a first-year head coach. So, yeah, I'm going to say Auburn wins it. Okay, last three real quick. Arkansas, LSU. Who do you got in Arkansas, LSU? I think Arkansas is going to win this one. Um, I think LSU, you know, definitely they're going to be rolling high off of the pretty close game against uh, Alabama. But I think Arkansas will just have enough in the tank, and I'm going to have Arkansas winning this one. I'll go with – uh, let's go 28 to 14 for the Razorbacks. Yeah, I like uh, Arkansas on this. I just, they're competitive. You know, they beat Mississippi State last week. And, uh, you know, LSU is a fucking train wreck. So I got Arkansas winning 34 20. Um, Miami, Florida State. I know we hate both of these teams, but uh, Miami, <laughs> I don't hate Miami as much. Yeah, it's true. But uh, Miami has put up a ton of points lately. And I think they're going to do it again. I think Miami is going to win this like 45 24. That's what I got. What do you got? Um, This one, 
I think it's going to be another really close game. Maybe not like I don't think I guess this will, would be a game that would be considered a classic based on how well the game will play, but not because both teams are one and two anymore. Um, I have Miami winning this one in a very close game only for the fact that both sides of it, I think with the way Van Dyke is playing has been superior to the way that Travis is playing oh, yeah, offensively. Um, so I'm going to go with Miami based on the passing attack uh, with a script. They Florida State goes wide, right? Five, four. Uh, I got Miami winning this one, 34-31. How many wide I, I just don't think Florida State can can get in a track meet with Miami. It's Miami will boat race him if that happens. And that's why I got it at 45-20. Okay, last one real quick. Uh, Colorado, UCLA. I just want to see what UCLA does, what they do, if they can um, – um, get off the schneid here, and hopefully DTR is back to his uh, usual self. I'm going to say UCLA wins. I'm going to say 28, and I'm going to say Colorado 10. What do you got in this one, Ian? I think actually UCLA is going to run away with this one. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, DTR and uh, Carbonin are going to have a really good game because the defense of Colorado has been very poor, yeah. and I think UCLA is going to run up and down the field. So I have the Bruins winning this one big. I'm going to go with a 42-16 to 16 win for the Bruins. And I do want to – before we – I do want to have a quick shout out. Um, not that this is the most overly interesting game, but the group and five team I've fallen in love with ever since Coastal went down has been uh, the Roadrunners, UTSA. Oh yeah, there uh, you go. Yes, they are. I'm. I've actually been. I have been following them uh, in the group of five. <laughs> I like the w- way they've been playing, especially how they just air raid uh, a lot of. You know, the offense is very fun and exciting. Um, very uh, good team. Uh, you know, just a just fun team to watch. They're they're kind of like my rebound group of five team. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> UTSA. They just don't have really strong opponents, so it's kind of tough to like. No, but there's still, gauge, but know, it's still fun. Yeah. Yeah. They're, of course. They're, I think they're the most well organized and balanced offense out of all the group of. Well, probably next to Cincy, but just yeah. how they play both rushing and passing, it's a lot of fun to watch because any way they run it, they can break off for a big play and get a lot of uh, scores off of it. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So that's our show, everyone. So you can reach us at haterradio.com. You can reach us at hater underscore radio at both Instagram and Twitter and haterradio1 at gmail.com. Ian, what are your socials? Yes. Uh, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, G Gator G, capital G underscore Gator underscore capital G. And you can also reach us at Hater Radio for uh, YouTube. You can see our video uh, that we did from the USF broadcast, USF Florida broadcast. We might have a live broadcast next week, depending. We'll let you know. I'll probably tweet it out. To be determined. To be determined as of right now. But Ian, great show. Ian, I'll see you hopefully next week. Same here, man. All right. See you all.